Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to another show. Today we've got Will Meadows, Sarah Meadows, Kevin Delp, Melissa Delp, and Ryan Pills in the house. We are in the middle of February, which means Tantrum Con. Is it happening before our next episode? No, it's going to be... Um, oh, okay, one more. We're actually going to record another episode before Tantrum Con. While at Tantrum Con. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We just found out that we sold all of our badges out for our 2023 convention. The first time it's happened in TantrumCon history. Very excited. Also very excited that when I posted the graphic today on Facebook that said we sold out, like, I don't even know, 30 people jumped on and they were like, we can't wait. It's so exciting. I, I thought that you were going to say 30 people wanted to join. <laughs> well, I, well, some of that did happen, too. I got some emails oh, today. No. I didn't even tell anybody get that. It, please. Yeah. No, we told you it would sell out. We're yeah. sorry. I tried to warn you. One guy was like, I... He's like, there must be a problem. I bought a ticket for myself, and then when I went to go buy one for my wife, it said they were sold out. Can you please help? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so hopefully we got that resolved. I, I think we did get it resolved. I want to volunteer. On. Right? <laughs> we got a couple couple helper spots wait, still wait. open. Nice. Oh, so very excited. Lots of stuff going on with that. If you are coming, man, we look forward to hanging out with you. It's going to be fantastic. If you're not coming... Well, then you should still check out the website and videos because it's super fun. you'll want to come next year. That's right. Get on board for next year. In this episode, we are going to be talking about some of our favorite two-player games. Is that like, is that a romantic thing? Is that February 14th? No, it's a combative thing. Combative thing. (laughs) Jonah's not here. That's true. But I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, as always, we're going to talk about some of the games that are coming to Kickstarter this month and the next two weeks, as well as some of the games that we've been playing recently. So let's start there. What are some of the games you guys have had on the table just recently? I heard you guys had some stuff happening at the last community game night. What did you guys play? We played the big box. Well, I don't know. We played the whole... Anyway, it was Alien Frontiers. (laughs) We didn't play with all the expansions. Uh, It was a lot of fun. I've played it before. I think it was the same, same, uh, same person. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like same exact game. I think it was the same board. It's just been like a year and a half, and I had forgotten about it. I have not. I had not played it. I did play your like name on it. Like RP. Remember, RP was here. Rest in peace. Someone has my initials. Crazy. <laughs> in a year and a half when I look at it again. It's a, we played four players. Community game night, we had a good crowd come out. It was like 60 yeah. people. As yeah. per the huge, every table was full, and we had to roll out a couple extras. And me, you, Katie, at least and, one other person. Um, Laura? No. That, I feel really bad because. Laura, yeah. Oh, it is Laura. Good job. I am. Good job, Ryan. Laura Cuddy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got, to play, we got to play a full version of the game, and it was a good time. I enjoyed the experience. I felt like there were a couple of nitpicks I had about the game. Oh, oh give it to us. Was well, your soapbox you... this time? What is happening? That's right. Was the soapbox sound effect? We didn't ever get that. Ah! <laughs> soapbox ding-dong. <laughs> uh, so my main... 
complaint was just that in the game you it's a dice as worker placement game basically you are rolling dice each turn and putting that on the board and then they stay on the board through everybody else's turn until it gets back to you and then you claim your dice back and so while i liked part of it because it meant that people were filling up spaces on the board which limited where you could go on your turn and it was different every time i didn't like that I couldn't play my turn out at all. So, like, I have to wait until my turn, then I roll my dice, then I can see what's available. So it just slowed down the gameplay. I'd rather have a more simultaneous or whatever continuous experience. However, aside from that, I did like the fact that there was different routes that you could go towards victory. Ryan went the build the engine card uh, collection route, which I thought was going to cost him. I thought I had the game in the bag. And then did you win, Ryan? I did, but the key was accidental cheating. Correct, because Wait, I I've heard into I the need rules. to make a shirt. I turned into the rules explanation uh, late, so a lot of it was like, "Wait, how does this work?" And then, then moving from there, one of the things I didn't get was you're limited to only one copy of each card. <gasps> so I did. Did you just find this out now? I, no, I had two <laughs> copies. It was mid game. I had two copies. No, of but one it of sounds cards, more shocking when you go. <gasps> and I discarded one of them and just drew another one. And that other one was functionally the same effect. It was you can use this to use another card a second time. But instead of just that one card twice, I was able to use any other card a second time as well. Crazy. I I had more of a choice. So it was a little, I don't know, it wasn't a clear, you know, stainless victory. The game end trigger is having all of your ships uh, land on the planet. Whenever one person is able to do it, it triggers the end game, and then you score based on how many points you earn throughout the course of the game. And so it got down to be, I was looking at it, I had my last ship, it was in an easy spot where I was basically guaranteed to get it on the board, and so then I unfortunately made the announcement, hey everybody, last turn, enjoy it, because I'm going to win on my turn. And then... Ryan kind of wasted a turn because he was like, "Yeah, it's over." And then Katie did some weird stuff. And then uh, Laura, per chance, played her dice in the one spot that I needed to be able to win. So she blocked me, and I didn't win. Awesome. <laughs> and then nice. Ryan finished it on his turn and claimed the victory. Yeah, K- Katie had specifically made me lose points. She did. This like, is true. Why are you making me lose points? He's about to win the game. <laughs> she was like, "Well, it helps me. I'm going to cut cost you." But then you ran out of resources and you'd used too many dice. That was the problem. I needed one more die, and or oh. if the slot had been empty, I would have had it. How's that t-shirt design coming along? I actually, do you want to see it? It's on my laptop. Uh, maybe later. <laughs> I have started working on a accidental cheater t-shirt design. Cool. And it's pretty cool. I'm excited. <laughs> Look for it in the merch shop soon. All right. What did you get to play, Sarah? Um, I played a bunch of prototypes, but one of them, I had an interesting situation happen. Tell us the story. So I got to try out the new Endeavor Deep Sea on Tabletop Simulator. A little jealous. Which was great. Except for the Tabletop Simulator Except for I do not play games on Tabletop Simulator. So I warned Sean ahead of time. Like, I'm really sorry. I'm just going to apologize now. You're going to have to help pick up cards and do things for me me because I do not know all the shortcuts. So just help me out. And he's like, oh, no problem. It'll be fine. I I did this once for Avalon, which is a (laughs) hidden role game. And all of us were like kept flipping our secret (laughs) cards over. (laughs) So yes. 
fun yep. with technology. So uh, the gameplay, it, the mechanics are the very similar in that the you have your own personal board. It tells you exactly what you do. So and it has tracks that you're gaining um, things to then power up your actions. Well, all of that was great. And then there are cards in the center that flip over to make the board instead of a map of the board. So it can change every game where you dive down in the ocean. It The configuration is going to be different. Well, the next r- first round happens. Everything's great. I take my actions. And then second round, you get to gain some more actions to use for your people, for your workers. And I went to grab the token out of my little bag supply because you get two new ones for the round. And then I'm like, ah, I just can't pick these tokens up. It's so frustrating. I This is why I don't play tabletop simulator games. And I'm, I tried doing it like five or six times. And I'm like, I don't understand. Hey, Sean, can you get me a couple people? And he was like, I thought you said you've played Endeavor. Isn't that like what are your favorite games? I'm like, yes. And he was like, why do you have so many workers? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he Uh-oh. goes, he goes, you took like six out of the bag. And I was like, no, I don't have any. I still have the two of my cards. And he was like, what do you mean? There's six sitting on your board. I was like, no, there's not. I don't see any. He's like, Oh, they must be invisible to you. I don't know how, but all of my tokens in my supply were invisible to my on my screen. <laughs> so I there the other players are sitting there like, what is she doing? Like she, she's just taking as many workers out of her supply as she wants. They all see this giant pile of tokens on my board, and I just think I'm an idiot, and I can't get my stupid mouse to click on and pick these things up. So I just think I'm like dragging stuff over, and it's just not working. So then I'm like, okay, Sean, you have to like figure out how to give me some tokens. Well, then it happened later on that the cards for the board flip over and I can't see the back side of the cards. They're invisible. So now I can't see the board. So it was like we had allotted an hour or so and we were right at the hour mark. And my players were on the other side of the board, so it was fine. But I was like, I've never played Tabletop Simulator and had items invisible to me that should not have been <laughs> visible. It was, it was a very interesting time. But the gameplay was great. It's deep sea. You just couldn't see anything. <laughs> Evidently. My goggles were all foggy. Couldn't see anything. Uh, I was able to play Atiwa, which is a country, a city in Ghana. It's a board game. A region. A region. Thank you, Melissa. A region. And this is a worker placement game coming from designer Uwe Rosenberg. It's for uh, one to four players. takes about one to two hours to play. Basically, it's all about uh, fruit bats. And they're sort of... Um, pollinating the trees and there's fruit trees growing and you're getting fruit from these fruit trees and they're, you're growing your village with different, um, growing your village with villagers and you're training them about the fruit bats 
and uh, you are basically getting new, growing, uh, getting more land so that you can have more fruit bats and you can have more animals so that you can feed your families because why not have a new Vey Rosenberg without feeding your families? So, yeah, the game it definitely has this uh, worker placement feel to it as you are taking actions to uh, get all these things so that you can get points. And, yeah, um, there's definitely this, like, sort of push and pull with do i have enough of all these different items the fruit bats the the orange the um the fruit itself the animals the people um and yeah ryan played it and so did melissa and you can eat bats that's right and you can eat bats if your people are untrained but if your people are trained then they know how to take care of the bats yeah i think one of the interesting things about this one is some of the resources are contained on your player board. So when you get access to them, you're unlocking things. You're basically potentially increasing your production value of certain things. And then when you use them, because a lot of them you have to use either to feed your family or to send your bats out, they're going to eat fruit and things like that. They return to your player board and then cover things up. So there's a timing aspect of oh, I to get more benefits, I need to have this many of my wild animals unlocked or goats. But if I use it, then it's going to go back. So uh, the timing of using your resources and you are limited by how many are on those slots in your board. If you're looking for a, I don't want to say simple, but a simpler Uwe Rosenberg game, then you should check out Atiwa from Lookout Games. One of the other games I got to play over the weekend was Blazon from 25th Century Games. It is all about, well, a blazon in the heraldry is a official description of somebody's coat of arms. So you have a board that's shaped like a shield, and there's something like 10 spaces on it where you can place different cards. The cards are all elements of either colors called uh, tinctures or devices, which are like patterns or a charge, like a, a lion or something like that. Dragon. And um, each space has a specific two options that can go in that space. You know, so it might be, you know, this one can take a pattern or a charge, that sort of thing. And then there's some limits on what different cards can be placed next to other cards, uh, in what combinations. Um, and you can't have certain tinctures in the same row or column, that sort of thing. So you're trying to uh, meet some goals. Every card you place gives, gives you points, but you have to discard cards that have the same number of points on them. So you might have to discard two or three cards to do one of the cards that has a higher point value on it. And uh, it was it was pretty fun. I had this revelation at the end like why do they limit you to do you know just certain combinations and i realized oh this is because of the rules of heraldry yeah and like if you know more about the rules of heraldry it makes a lot more sense about why these things are allowed and these aren't and then there is like a special optional rule about um how you can actually break the rules using this special token and it's it's called abatement and no. uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool. If you know about heraldry, it makes it that much cooler. And it was a fun game to play. Yeah, I had an opportunity to play the prototype a while, like, I don't know, two years ago or something. And I felt like <clears throat> like I learned a lot about heraldry. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is all accurate terminology. It all is based on the real art of it. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. 
I spent like the first half hour just trying to reproduce my family's coat of arms <laughs> and uh, realized that some of the terminology was different and I had somebody else had stolen one of the cards I needed. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll actually work on trying to win. Just now. win the game. And uh, I think I still came in second. It wasn't that hard of a game to pick up. Ryan had secret goals. So a game that Kevin and I have recently played is not about real things. It's about mice climbing up a clock. So Ah. it's Hickory Dickory from Plaid Hat Games. And it's a competitive game for one to four players. Plays in about an hour or two hours. I would put it on the medium, maybe medium light spectrum of complexity But each player has a team of mice that are represented by cute little animal meeples, animeeples, and they are actually jumping on and off of a plastic clock hand that you're going to be moving around the clock, and each number has a different action on it. So your mice can jump on the clock, ride a hand, ride it around for a while to get to the action that you want to take, and... Throughout the game, you are collecting tokens. Each mouse has their own card. So if I'm doing it with my little small mouse and collect a token, it has to go on that uh, card. But then you are turning in those tokens for points. And if you get certain combinations, you'll get more points. So it's a bit of a set collection game aspect to that. But the artwork is very whimsical. The mice are cute. King Cuckoo, the cuckoo clock is the one sending you out to do these things. You can go to Itsy Bitsy Spider's shop and get other tokens. Um, So really cute, kind of fun, nursery rhyme-esque theme to it, but still has strategy with which actions you want to take. And if you can get your mice together, they can trade things. So Maybe you're like, oh, I really need that token, but the mouse who needs it can't get to it, but maybe my other mouse can, and then I can get them together. And then sometimes people are bumping you off the clock hand because there's only so much space, so you don't get to do what you want to do. So Hickory Dickory from Plaid Hat. I enjoyed my play of it. Kevin? Yeah, I also enjoyed my play of Hickory Dickory. Um, I agree with pretty much everything Melissa said. I think there's some... There's a, Now that we've played it a couple times... There's definitely some more strategy going into, like, can I align my mice at the right time in the right ways as they're traveling around the clocks? Um, because, because like Melissa said, they they have different powers, and can you do it the right way? So, still trying to unlock that in my mind, but overall, enjoyable place. Hickory Dickory. Excellent stuff. Should we jump from here into our Kickstarter conniption? Let's do it. Kickstarter conniption! This episode, we'll be talking about five games coming to crowdfunding platforms uh, during the last half of February 2023. Kevin, start us off. We got a game coming from, get this name of this company. You guys ready? The company's name is How to Steam Broccoli. (laughs) I have heard of this company before. They're going to be at Tantrum Con. And they will be at Tantrum Con. Oh, that's why I've heard of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds familiar. Uh, They are bringing a game to Kickstarter at the end of February called Tether. This is for two to four players. It takes about 15 to 30 minutes to play. The theme um, is about astronauts uh, tethering together, uh, which is important in astronauting, I'm assuming, because if you're not tethered, you might just float off into space forever and ever. Uh, the sort of the, 
the I thing. I think I saw that movie. It was terrible. It was a pretty bad. <laughs> uh, the sort of tagline for Tether is a mirror deck card game about connecting astronauts together. Uh, this does sound really interesting to me because on the cards, there are two digit numbers in the top corners on like the top left corner and the bottom right corner or i'm not sure basically opposite corners and as you are looking at them they are mirroring each other so 68 in one corner is 86 in the other corner okay all right so i was like oh that sounds really interesting and how you playing you're playing the cards in front of the other players and are they all two digit or is like they're all two digit numbers one backwards is one i mean i i'm assuming yeah if you do like 19 backwards would be 61 right okay so or 91 anyway uh so yeah, that sounds an interesting cool. mechanic, and yeah, I'm yeah. interested in uh, learning more, and maybe we'll get to try it out at Tantrum Con. Cool. So that's Tether from How to Steam Broccoli. Melissa. So I'm looking at a game that is already on Kickstarter, and this is Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig from Bezier Games and designed by Ted Alsbach. This is in the kingdom world of Mad King Ludwig, but it is a standalone game and uses different mechanisms it's kind of a flip and write except each person is going to draft their own card so you have a board with a vellum sheet that you can stick your room card underneath and then trace it which is awesome because i stink at art and yeah so tracing (laughs) it is great so my castle can still look (laughs) semi-decent but um it has a lot of the same room types that you find in Castles of Mad King Ludwig. You have the food rooms and the garden rooms, and you are drafting those cards, putting them into your castle, drawing them, and then you can unlock points and bonuses when you complete those rooms. A cool thing is that a lot of the rewards can be saved. So I mark that I have access to the reward, and then I can save it for when it is best used during the game, which is a new element that you don't really have in the other Castles of Mad King Ludwig games. Usually you have to take your reward immediately. Um, So there's the spatial aspect of drawing the things and completing it. Lots and lots of ways to get points. There are common goals. There are secret goals. There are bonus cards. There's points on the cards. So it is a point fest where you'll be tallying up your scores at the end of the game and there'll be really high in the hundreds maybe even 200s um i love those sorts of games where you can get points lots of different ways i love castles of mad king ludwig and i think this is a fun um another game in that whole universe with that theme very whimsical and lots of bonuses and comboing that you can do Anything you want to say about it, Kevin? No, in just a few minutes, we'll have Ted Osbach, the designer. Um, we're going to have an interview with him. Oh, and we do have videos, an overview video and a playthrough that you can watch on our channel. Am I up next? One of the games that I'm going to be looking at is part of three games that 25th Century is bringing to Kickstarter this month. And I'm going to look at the most delicious one which is called Donut Shop and is from designer Jeffrey Allers. It is a tile placement um, layering game, I guess. It's the uh, type of game where you are going to be drawing tiles from a really cool-looking donut dispenser and placing them into a central pool where everyone is uh, placing their donuts, and you'll score points based on 
matching donuts that you lay with matching donuts that are already on the table. And then uh, you'll also be drawing these donut order cards, basically. And if you're able to get the the right hand of cards uh, over the course of the game, which you'll get several different, you'll draw a card and a tile each hand each round. And so after a couple turns, you'll have three or four cards in your hand. And then if you're able to play those cards and overlap matching donut tiles, you can box them up basically and sell them to customers for extra bonus points. And so you'll be drawing one tile face up and or, uh, a face down one or a card face up or face down. So you've got a little bit of a choice each turn. And then you're basically just trying to build a good hand of donut sprinkles and coffee flavors and donut types so that you can play those on your turn and collect a bunch of points on the table. The game features uh, some nifty little cardboard dispensers for the cards and the tiles. Uh, it looks delicious out on the table and it's a nice fun casual game where you feel like you should eat donuts and drink coffee while you play the game. Uh, it's got a really good feel to it. Um, so that one is coming to Kickstarter. Definitely check that out. I think Sarah's going to talk about one or two of the other games that they're also bringing in the same campaign. Sure. One of the other games is Color Field, and this is from designer Mondo Davis. And in the game, you are an artist working on um, filling your canvas with color. And so you'll have a starting uh, tiles on a board that you'll put your primer colors down and then you'll go ahead and you'll um, select a tile from the center board and you'll go around turn by turn and you'll replace one of the colors tiles that you have with one from the center and um, you're trying to get um, the swatches to line up with what's adjacent to them and so you'll get bonus points for having um, big swaths of color across your canvas. So, um, And then there is some extra cards that come in the deck that will allow you to play a little bit more advanced gameplay um, where there'll be something different. There's three rounds for the game and you'll score at the end of each one of them. And then there's also these um, advanced play cards that you can add. Um, and then the other game that comes um, out in that same campaign is Aguada. This is a game based on the actual um, City of Umbrellas festival that happens in Portugal each year. And so in the game, you are a, an artist working on building a mur painting a mural and also setting up your umbrellas um, in a nice desired pattern. So um, you'll be drafting tile, little token tile. I don't know how to describe. They're little, oh, umbrella little umbrellas. pieces, yeah. mm -hmm. little umbrellas on the central board. And um, you'll add them. You have three rows of umbrellas that you're building on your board and you'll score points um, based on what colors are in each row and what's desired in that row that will change every time you take a rest action instead of scoring the um, tiles that s tell you what scores are going to rotate. So you'll have to plan ahead. So there's a little bit of thinking involved, um, but it has super fun little umbrella bits. I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't understand all the rules. I will be honest at the beginning. 
Yeah, you like, I don't know what you were like, if you missed a couple sentences Maybe. that I said, I think you but did. I, I caught on pretty quick. And then I, because Kevin was like, I remember watching you, like you were staring at the board and like what you were trying to do. And I was like, this isn't like that complicated, Kevin. Yep. But I think you must have like missed one of the, it was at our community game night yes. and there were a couple groups that were like in the middle of like something big happened. So it was kind of loud all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I think you missed one of the rules. I probably missed something, <laughs> but then, and then um, the goals were a little farther for me. So I went over to read them, but I couldn't like remember them. Oh yeah. And so I did like one of them really well, but the other one I didn't, but I probably could have like the blue umbrellas were supposed to be like separate from each other. I had them next to each other. Didn't, I could have placed them separate. Yeah. Like, as you just I, did I just didn't yeah. do that. Um, I was get, I got pretty close there at the end, and it's enjoyable, very colorful. Um, yeah. The the actions make are pretty simple, and it's a very streamlined game. But yes, yeah. I, yes, very streamlined, um, but plenty of thinking and planning. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and then yeah, especially with way the your um, your um scoring is going to work. The, yeah, the way scoring works, and what do you call those little tiles by the umbrellas? They're like they're rotating throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this the. That's the requirements for the scoring. requirement. The re- yeah, the requirements. How that works is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. so that's Aguada, Colorfield, and Donut Shop all coming to Kickstarter from Twenty Fifth Century Games. Well, why don't we jump into a house guest segment with our guest Ted Alsbach from Busy Games, so we can talk about blueprints. Hey, hello! I'm glad you could be here uh, as a returning guest, I should say. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we have you on the show to talk about your new game called Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig. So um, you guys have made other versions of Mad King Ludwig, uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Ludwig, I should say. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what this new game's all about. So, you know, when you think about Castles of Mad King Ludwig, the idea behind that is that you're a builder and you're out there building a castle and you really hope that Ludwig's going to like it. And when you think about that, it's a little impractical because you've built a castle and now you're like, well, I hope he likes it because we <laughs> sold this time to build a castle. So Blueprints kind of takes a step back and has you draw the plans up first and then say, hey, Ludwig, is this cool? And then if he says yes, then you go ahead and build a castle. So you're mm-hmm. saving yourself a little bit of extra work there by not putting it all together. Um, but the idea is that uh, each player gets to sketch out what they think of their castle. And because they're sketching, you can do things you just can't do and uh castles of American Ludwig, like you can move doors around, you can flip rooms over, you can do you can you can kind of really customize how this castle's overall gonna look um in a in a much different ways because you're drawing it. So that's that's kind of the, the impetus for for doing that is just, you get to be more custom about it. And it's you know, rolling rights, rolling draws, rolling sketches, flipping <laughs> sketches, all those things, they're a lot of fun. And uh, it was really kind of a neat idea to to get the the Castles of American Ludwig type of game in that environment. I love talking about this because I didn't I mean we we played many many games of castles in Mackie Little Week, and when we were playing Blueprints, it had the same. There's like some of the same feel as you're like placing, you know, rooms next to other rooms, getting bonuses and things like that. I never really thought of behind the scenes of what like 
the blueprints idea of, oh, I can move things around like a blueprints can. And I love talking to you about how that actually uh, makes sense, you know, thematically in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just yeah, a- I mean, that's, that was, it was kind of one of those things like where otherwise where you're building, you have like this set, like this room and you've got to put some lace and you mm-hmm. oh, whatever. But when you're drawing, you've got this customization ability yeah. to really yeah. make it fit and make it work well. And uh, blueprints also has something that castles doesn't have in that it has a limited playing area. So you've got this nine by nine grid that you start with and you've got to fit all of your rooms in there and there's mm-hmm. 10 rounds in the game. So you're going to have at least 10 rooms plus your mm-hmm. foyer, so 11 rooms and to try and put them all in there is tough. And some of the, one of the abilities lets you actually make that lot bigger and expand beyond that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do that. And is it worth your time to <laughs> expand that or would you rather go for something smaller for maybe more points or more opportunities? Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting. So most of the rooms, if, if people listening have played Castles of Mac and Ludwig, many of the room our rooms are similar, like the food rooms and the bonus rooms and the outdoor rooms and um, things. What um, what new rooms are in the in this new game? So, I mean, all the different the, the rooms are titled the same, but they look a little yeah. different just sure, because sure. of the, you yeah. know, the, how, how it's set up. <laughs> but but they do they, while the room types are, are mostly the same. Like there's outdoor rooms and food rooms, like you're saying, those types of things. But they do different things now. Um, the only one I think that's really a direct comparison are the food rooms where when you complete those, those are the yellow ones in, in mm-hmm. castles where we complete it, you get an extra turn. That happens in blueprints too. You get an extra yeah. turn where you get to use right away on that turn. So you can draw another room, um, which is kind of cool, but everything else is a little different. So for instance, the green rooms, the outdoor rooms, um, they allow you to expand your lot. When you complete those, the reward is expand your lot, which makes a lot of sense because it's yeah. an outdoor room. Um, <laughs> The, the sleeping rooms allow you, when you complete those, to move the doorways around, and that's a huge thing. And having one of those in your pocket, um, you know, when you complete one of those early, gives you so much flexibility later in the game when, you know, you see all these rooms that are available on the tableau, and you're thinking, ah, none of these fit. But if you have one of those sleeping room rewards ready to go, you're able to kind of manipulate those doorways and make it fit exactly how you want it to be. And tell me a little bit how you've incorporated swans and moats into uh, this game. Yeah, so, so Swans and Moats came out kind of with the expansion, the first expansion of castles, and that's always mm-hmm. a fun thing. Those are uh, certainly swans are a big part of Ludwig. He has swans all over his castles. He loves mm-hmm. swans, and that's that was a thing for him. The Swan Lake Opera thing was a big, big deal for him. Um, and so here, whenever you draw rooms of a certain size, um, similar to castles, <clears throat> the, um, the mid-sized rooms are going to give you a swan. Once you've drawn uh, rooms that have four swans or a total of four swans, you're able to draw a moat. And a moat can be up along the edge of your castle. It's it's one um, kind of heck or one um, square wide. And it covers up a bunch of uh, rooms or the edges of rooms closing their doors, which actually helps you complete rooms. And then in addition, you score extra bonus points for every room that's behind the moat um, in, the, in the game. You can have two moats. You can have a moat on either side of your castle. You can have a double wide moat um, for extra points. Just all sorts of fun things. Cool. I love uh, hearing a little bit of behind the scenes and people love hearing a little bit more about like the game itself. Um, so when you were first sort of dreaming up what blueprints of Mackie Ludwig was, was this, was it always like card based or was there other type? Cause you know, roll and writes, there are a lot of different yeah. ways you can do a roll and write. So tell me a little bit about like behind yeah, the scenes. The, 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 the very first prototype had, I don't know. It was like it was like eight dice, and each of the dice had um, <laughs> they were like oversized dice, but they were drawn little different room shapes on them, right? With okay. uh, different uh, different types, and so you had like a size one die, which is just a square, and a size two, which is two squares, and then you start mm-hmm. to get more interesting shapes as you went up, and you'd roll those, and then everyone would choose a die, 
and it was interesting, but it was very, it felt very abstracted from, okay. from Ludwig, which, you know, has kind of this rich theme going to it. Yeah. And so there was a, some point during development, early on development, where we liked what we're doing, like these rewards, we liked kind of what was going on, but just didn't feel, you just weren't part of the Ludwig universe enough. So we've switched over to cards and that gave us all these extra abilities because suddenly we could have more intricate named rooms and, and designed rooms mm-hmm. um, that looked a lot better than the dice because having something on the tiny little die doesn't look as nice. And then this huge, big bonus of well, once we had it on cards, we're like, huh, we can make the rooms the same size as what you're drawing. So you can put it right next to there and see exactly how it looks. And then not that long after that, there was this thing where I was like, you know, I've seen architects, they have this, this really cool vellum, these vellum sheets or these, these Uh, transparent uh, sheets where they're, where they're tracing things, you know, from one to the other, kind of like an animation cell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, if we could do that, I'm like, oh, it'll be too expensive. And then it just was always bugging me at the back of my mind. Like, oh, that'd be so cool to be able to trace these rooms. Cause some of them, once you get to the larger rooms, they're a little more intricate and they're, they're (laughs) <laughs> difficult to get from one, one card to the sheet, especially if you're not spatially aware. I know certain people are like, they're going to trace everything. Um, yeah. So we looked into it and we found out, yeah, it's not unreasonable. It's expensive, but not unreasonable for us to have vellum sketch pads for everybody. Mm-hmm. So everyone has these translucent sheets that they're drawing on that they're still white, but you can actually see through them. So you can slide cards underneath and trace the rooms. And each card has a regular version of the room and a flipped version. And then you can, of course, rotate the card around to be able to trace it anywhere you want to. But yeah, that evolved from a big old clunky dice rolling right to a deck of cards with these vellum sheets. And wow, what a difference that, you know, the development process uh, as you go through there, what that made. So that that's huge. Yeah, I mean, to me, the vellum sheets just make the game not only unique, but makes makes it uh, the experience really, really good. Um, and I agree, the being able to trace was is very helpful for those who <laughs> are are wanting to make their castle still look nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, so. and, and there was this other bonus too. So we we had moved to colored pencils not long after we went with cards. We decided colored pencils are better than pencils, mm-hmm. regular pencils mm-hmm. with a with a symbol in it. Sure, uh, we can still you can still put symbols in there, and so that works for your colorblind or whatever. Sure. It'll still work. But we really liked colored pencils. The big drawback to colored pencils is they do not erase well. So if you have, mm. and most people don't use colored pencils for a lot of things, but if you use colored pencils and you try to erase it, it just doesn't work because the material inside colored pencil, which there is no official name for, by the way, according to the official colored pencil websites, they don't uh-huh. have a name for it. It's not lead. It's not gunk. It's just, there's no name. So anyway, Interesting. it doesn't erase. That, that was the thing. We're like, ah, that's annoying because you can erase a little bit, but it was it was frustrating. Well, once we got vellum paper. We discovered that oh my gosh, vellum paper and colored pencils work amazingly well together. You can er- you can use an eraser and erase them, and so it's like this incredible bonus that we didn't even think about that we didn't think was possible until we started trying it out with this. And we're like, okay, not only can you see through it, but you can erase it really well too. Yeah. So that kind of cemented it for us. We're like, yeah, we have to do this. Cool. Yeah, I have uh, since we have a prototype here. I have erased things, and it has worked well. So <laughs> that's good. Good, good, good to hear. Uh, why don't we, as we close up, tell us a little bit about the campaign itself. So you guys are launching February 7th. We're recording ahead of time, but this interview won't go live until you guys are already live as part of our podcast episode. So tell us a little bit about the campaign um, of the uh, Blueprints. Yeah, so one of the things we're offering Kickstarter, kind of exclusive to the Kickstarter, is a deluxe edition 
Normally the game comes with one box full of eight full-size color pencils. So I'm a person with big hands, so I hate those little golf pencils that you get in a lot of games sometimes. Mm -hmm. Really frustrating because sometimes they don't even fit like from the tip of your finger down to like where even kind of at the base there. It's really frustrating. So these are full, I don't know, eight-inch whatever pencils. And so you get eight of those. But with the Kickstarter version, you get five boxes of those. So everybody, each player can have their own pencils. So you don't have to be like, hey, I need that red when you're done. Um, You can... (laughs) You can have your own pencil, which is really cool to be able to have your own pencil when you're drawing um, of each of the colors. It comes with a pencil, really cool castle-shaped pencil sharpener. So like that token that comes with castles, the collector's edition of Castles of Matthew and Ludwig. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got that and stuck a pencil sharpener in there. So it's really cool and really neat to hold on to and sharpen your pencils. Um, It comes with extra sketch sheets and score pads. Um, it's, and, uh, it comes with this amazing playmat too, this really cool, um, neoprene playmat for putting the cards out in the center of the table. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, that was one of the suggestions of someone on our staff and, and she's like, you know, we could put a playmat there. And I'm like, we don't need a playmat. And then we tried it out with just paper. We're like, we should get a playmat in there. That would be cool. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so this campaign will go live for, uh, on February 7th. It should already be live when you're listening to this uh, episode. And uh, it'll be on Kickstarter for a few weeks, I'm assuming? Yeah, it should be about a month. Okay, about a month. Okay. So check that out. Uh, and if you're already a fan of Castles of Mad King Ludwig, I'd recommend checking out the Kickstarter for Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig. And if you have never played, well... You need to play. <laughs> you need to play the game because it's one of our favorite games. It's Melissa's favorite game. Um, and I also enjoy It's probably up there as well for me in uh, games I enjoy playing. So th- thank you, Ted, for being on the show. And uh, we will love for you to come back in a future episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Lots of fun talking to Ted. Can't wait to hang out with him at Tantrum Con. Uh, Bezier is going to be there. We're going to be doing a werewolf hallway do you know any details on that ryan because i want to know what is really happening over there uh there is a lot of painted display stuff going up at my house (laughs) i don't understand what i'm looking at quite it's an art thing the vision is coming together uh we'll have to get katie to weigh in on that i think there's going to be a whole alleyway hallway ending that's like a dark mysterious forest and we're going to be playing some all night werewolf there should be lots and lots of fun all night all night I'm in charge of closing down. I don't all know if night, I can do it. All night. <laughs> Good luck to you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I think from here on out, we got a little bit more to talk about in regards to our favorite top two, two, not top two, two player, but still the top games. Now, I think we all looked at each other at the beginning of this game topic and said, we don't really play a whole lot of two player only. I mean, we're pretty much talking two player only, right? Those not like two player uh, only. You could play I Everdale with two players. I actively <laughs> despise two-player games. Actively. If they're two-player only, because it's it's a, usually a head-to-head battle Correct. thing, and I, I dislike that game style mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. If it's a two-player... Oh, I, I have a similar feeling, Ryan. I, there aren't too many two-player games that I really enjoy. What if it's a two-player cooperative game? Mm-hmm. Well, it's usually yeah. a, a cooperative game is going to be for more people. No, there is a two-player... It's one of one. the Fox in the Forest <laughs> or one of the like a cooperative trick taking game for oh. two players only. Oh, I'd try that. You try it might it. be Fox in the Forest duet or something. There are exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, that time you killed me, or mm-hmm. I think that's what yep. it's called. The time you killed me, I do like that, and okay. I played several. That's competitive rounds though. of it. Yeah, it I know. Okay. <laughs> I, I played several rounds of it over Christmas with my uh, niece. Okay, it was fun, but in general. 
do not like this yeah. style. Um, I was debating on putting land versus sea in this list because it's it's made for two players, but you can play it with three players. So I don't know if you guys would allow that as part of the list. Sure. I'll allow it, <laughs> mostly because my top one is War Chest, which is technically a two or four player game. But it's made for two players. But it is good with two players. Yeah. I heard it's a great game. I think it's amazing. Uh, so let me tell you about it for two seconds. How, what, what's our rundown? Are we just like naming the three two-player games that we can tolerate? Are we talking about the ones that we're excited about? What's, sure, our, Ryan has, what's the format? I mean, it is February, so is there anything that would be good for Ooh. a date night? Okay. Or for I, me, I the ideal gaming <laughs> experience is showdown. It is, it's got to be competitive. I am not interested in doing a cooperative game with Will. Okay, so I actually do the so I am um, in a similar one? boat okay. to Melissa and Ryan. Like I'm not, I don't play very many two player games, uh, and but when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, I actually do really like that game. Oh, that game's really fun too. Oh, okay. that game. so one of the games that Sarah and I don't mess with Cthulhu. No, man, I wish it were. <laughs> I don't think you can play that with two players. That'd be real tough. Uh, one of the games that was kind of a surprise uh, that we've played a lot is the game Face to Face. Face so, to face. True. Yeah, the game itself is a, I don't know how many people can play it, four to six or something, two to six. And it's a simple numbers puzzle card game. Oh, it's the game, though. Yes. It's, oh, okay. I thought but you said, the two the player the version is, is very good. Sorry, I got you. I'm, yeah. with, I'm on the same page you are on now. It's a confusing name. We all agree. Uh, the But the two player version, face to face, is good. competitive. It's not cooperative. Yes. And it is great. It's like it's, they took all the feels of the game and like upped them and you've got some cool strategy things that you can do. It's the same and deal where like play you, a card that's pinned back or whatever. Yeah, and but you're forced to play on the other players' decks and help them, but you can also hurt them, mm. which is great. Yeah, mostly you're helping them, but you're trying to help them as little as possible and still get cards out of your hand mm-hmm. and then the first player to and get all their cards like, out. They were going to jump the deck back, but then you you make it go down like one and now their card doesn't even work and they can't play it at all and thwarts their yes it's great love it yeah that was from pandasaurus and it's a simple easy one but it's surprisingly fun yeah i'm trying to think there there are some two-player games that i enjoy but if i had my choice we'd play something where it's competitive but it's more like a roll and write or something where no one can mess with my stuff (laughs) and i'm just trying to get a higher score than you kevin as it should be. Well, I do have a two-player only game that I think Melissa probably enjoys this one. This is from Renegade Game Studios. It is from some of our favorite designers, Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. And it is a game all about the celestial bodies called Stellar. Um, you are building sort of a, a telescope. Um, you're calibrating your telescopes and you're basically playing cards to build out your telescope. And you're also building out your a tableau in front of you of your um, notebook, right, Melissa? Mm-hmm. So you're sort of like putting a card in your notebook and a card in your telescope and how you do that and what your other, compared to what your opponent's doing, you're getting points for planets and asteroids and other kinds of celestial bodies. And I really enjoy the gameplay in that one. And it plays, um, well, 30 minutes. I think you can probably play it a little quicker than that. But Yeah, I like the puzzly nature of it because you basically have to put one card in your telescope and one in your notebook and you're trying to find the best combination of that 
although it does have some area kind of majority mm-hmm. scoring, and Kevin is usually better at getting more of the things than I am. One of the games that I don't know if you had a chance to play this. It's illustrated by chest? by don't. Vincent Dutre, and it's called Canopy from Weird Giraffe City Games. Yeah, and I know it's out now, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's a two player only. Although I think maybe you can also play teams in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are building out your ecosystem, and so you're drafting cards from a central pool, and you are trying to build out. You're trying to build your tree like, like as, canop- as tall like the as possible of trees. But you, cool. but you have to get a, like a bottom and a top to it to be able to score it. So you don't want to keep pushing it too far. So there's some push your luck in it. There's also a bunch of tokens where you can like get well, birds to live in your and, trees. Yeah, and there's stuff. animals and stuff you're trying to. And I was surprised by how it is a direct combat. Like you're trying to do better than the other person. You're trying to steal cards that they want. But it felt less direct combaty than some yeah, games it's because like, you're oh, just it's my happy rainforest. Yeah. It's, it's like. <laughs> The nice, nice backstabby. <laughs> <laughs> but it just had a really good feel to it. I would say it's backstabby. You're, you're drafting and, and you are paying attention to what you're gaining and what the other player is doing too. So and, if you're competitive, you can make it pretty good. Yeah, there's like bad cards because I think you can like burn down your forest oh or get molt, like, uh, like fungus and stuff like that. But it by the end but of the I, game, honestly, you have a nice... It was like, it's like a nice relaxing, like, oh, I'm just going to Burn down card. your forest. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> you ha- your tree's gone, and then you have to restart over. I think you can. It's been a while since I played it. I think you could even burn your own stuff down. Like if you were, like mm-hmm. if it, you had fungus on it, you could burn it down to start over. Oh, they have controlled burns, you know. Right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you end up with a nice. Uh, that's not a major point the in end. the game. That's like, a, <laughs> but we're going to make event, a event card could happen. Yeah. Game. Um. What about another? Oh, Ryan, you have one. Uh, no, it's hard to find two-player games where it's two-player only. Okay, well, how about Codenames Duet? Another cooperative? No. <laughs> doesn't count. I feel no. like there's a story it's, here. It's a good one. Uh, what, why doesn't it count in your book? I, I haven't actually played that one. Oh, oh actually, really? It actually no, has a played. nice um, ramp up because you are sort of working together, um, and there's a like map that you're trying to go through, but I like just the base game where you're trying to... I did like it because I, I like being the clue giver, mm-hmm. but when you're the clue giver, you don't get to guess anything because you already know what the other person is doing. Mm-hmm. So I really liked in this game that you are you given the clue, both. you also get to guess, yeah. and you can still mess up and hit the spy and yep. be mad at yourself or the other person, and the campaign is pretty cool. I, it, do it. I forgot about that one, but that is a good one. Yes. Um. So this is a two-player game that I like better than the original game, and this Whoa, is seven. Splendor oh. Duel. Oh, because about I'm not a huge fan of Splendor. I I don't know. I I like a little bit more going on in my game. I know that there is strategy to it about the tokens so and the to engine building. But but Splendor Duel has a board aspect, and there's adjacency so the tokens that you take have to be mm-hmm. like in a line or a row or mm-hmm. things like that so it adds an extra element to it's not just oh i'm gonna take a yellow one and a green one or whatever yeah, it's, there's a little bit more thinking that's going on yeah so I, I, agree. I thought that was interesting and some of the cards have powers on them so when you play them into your tableau you might be able to get an extra action or mm-hmm. something special happens so i liked those tweaks to splendor 
One other game that I enjoyed that I think you can maybe buy is called Tactiki, and it's a uh, Stratego meets chess meets isn't it on your shelf something somewhere? else we have a prototype yeah oh there it is yeah and uh it's got these really cool tiki heads which stack on top of each other you sit on a checkerboard and you move them towards each other and then on the back of the tiki is like the power that it has and i oh, think yeah. it's like one to five or something mm-hmm. and you when you come face to face with another tiki of your opponent you spin them around to see who has the higher number mm-hmm. whoever has the higher wins the the best part about the game is just the components these Tiki heads are magical, <laughs> and they look fantastic stacked up on the board. Cool. And it's uh, it's a fun, simple, strategic game that um, I-, I thought was pretty cool. I've seen their booth at Essen the like last two or three years, mm-hmm. so I I think they didn't fund on Kickstarter their first time because the components were just so expensive. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if they ended up self publishing it or what they did, but I think it's you can check that one out, Tactiki. Uh, see if you can find that one. One other game that we just played recently that very much reminded me of it, but was even maybe cooler. I don't remember what it's called. Stratego? No, but close. No, it was that mirror game. Oh, Reflecto. Where you spell the words out. Yeah. Similar idea. I don't tell know if it's available yet. Oh, well, just tell but, me about it for future reference. But it's coming from South Korea, and Mandu Games has put out a game that has that chess-like board, and each, it's two-player, and you are making a word, and you're writing those letters onto basically, think like chess pieces, but they're square, rectangular. They, they they look like stand-up mirrors. Yeah. Stand-up mirrors, and some of them actually are mirrors. <laughs> um, and you're moving them across the board, and you are trying to uh, align your mirrors. You have two mirrors in a way to look at the letters of the uh, your opponent's um, letters, and then try and guess their word before they guess your word. And there's ways. There's other ways of winning and stuff like that. But yeah, I was pretty proud of myself because when I understood the role of the game, the word I spelled had like a B and a D. And a P, I don't remember what the word was, (laughs) in it. And my opponent, I was playing against Ryan, not this Ryan, different Ryan. He, like, seen almost all of my tiles before I could get to see what his were to guess them. Mm -hmm. But the word he guessed was totally wrong. Because it because it was backwards yeah and he was like it can't be anything else it has to be this and then when we were done with the game i was like ah dyslexia the mirror flipped it so you saw what you thought was a d it was actually a b what <laughs> i was so proud of myself i won the game by default because he couldn't guess what the word was <laughs> you are supposed to use capital letters <laughs> capital P. accidental and cheating every, every time. time every time handwriting every time. is the key another to that game. i'll go for so, it ryan go for it ryan so you're one? talking about chess like games with mirrors caused me to remember this game that i am so bad at have you ever played <laughs> ket i know what you're talking about it's really interesting you have these mirrors that you're moving around the board and a laser um and, oh i've seen this and you get i don't even remember how you play i think you get your pieces eliminated whatever it is kind of trippy <laughs> i i thought it was going to be like egyptian themed but it's no it's just Lasers, lasers and, and robots on oh, mirrors like a really difficult chess so actually one of my favorite games probably in my top 100 is a game called the duke which is a chess like game but your pieces have powers and um you're pulling them out of a bag so your pieces have powers and they're chess? like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah like action i, I think i have yarl or yeah it's very similar it was an adaptation yeah. of it yeah 
it, it yeah, is they good. flip they flip over and they have different powers like whatever the archer can shoot but then the other side he can shoot farther or something like that so it's pretty cool Excellent stuff. All right, so, so bef- oh, you got one, I one more? I talk about one. I just like oh, Sarah's got another yours. one. I actually really enjoy Caper Europe. I don't know if it's Will's favorite to play against me, but it's just a card drafting game. But the cards have um, it's an area. It's a majority. So if you can get the right symbols in the right places mm-hmm. to gain the loot, then you can win at the end. Yeah. I, I enjoy that one. The thieves and the items all working <laughs> yep. together. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if that has anything to do with playing with you. I think I just didn't love that one. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Uh, I Ryan, I think it might be time for Ryan Reviews Reviews. Oh, oh am I reviewing though? Well, let's do it. <laughs> this is from Valian. Great board game podcast. The crew at Tantrum House has done it again with a fantastic podcast. So check them out and enjoy the family-friendly format and content. How would you rate that review? Uh, well, it is a five-star review. Oh, so, so it's it definitely high. has points. But I'm going to give it a eight out of ten. Oh, all right. It's missing a comma. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually know and, who this person is. Oh, do you? I know who it is, too. <laughs> Uh, no excuse for no commas on yeah, the, from this right. It's missing a comment, and I feel like if it's going to be five stars, he should gush a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough gushing. Okay. I feel like you should write reviews on our podcast about other people's reviews. Just add them to it. It'll up our numbers. It'll be all right. That would be, be funny. hilarious. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode of the show. We love bringing these to you guys, and we hope you enjoy them. We're very much looking forward to hanging out with you in person, hopefully in just a week or two at Tantrum Con. Yep. So if you're not going to be there, I'm sorry. If you are going to be there, come say hi to us. Like literally walk up to us, say hi. We'd love to make time to actually chat. And uh, we're, we're there to hang out with y'all. So hopefully you have some fun. Uh, and we will definitely have fun ourselves. So we'll call it there. Have a good night. Bye. Or a good dead morning. I don't know when you're listening. Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.